This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we talk learning to code with Ashley McNamara of Pivotal. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Brooklyn Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi and on the phone with me today is Mr. Glenn Sizemore. How are you doing, Justin? I am sweet. I'm just doing great. It's a little rainy here today, though. It's a little, little moist out. It's, it's, it, it's cleaning up, though. You know, last week we, we had the floods. This week at least we can see a little. Yeah, and that's just soggy-ish. Oh, yeah. um, so this week uh, we have a very special guest. Ashley McNamara is here with us today. Uh, Ashley, if you could tell us about what you do uh, and how to reach you on social media, that'd be super. Sure. I am a principal technologist at Pivotal Cloud Foundry, which is a fancy speak for developer advocate. I help drive platform adoption for Cloud Foundry Pivotal. And I am at Ashley McNamara on social media. All right. That's that's the Twitters, right? Not just, or is that's that the Twitters. Or is that everything? Uh, it's mostly everything. I like to use my name. ICQ, are you on there too? Oh, dude, I had, I don't remember my number, but yeah, man, old school ICQ. That's where I used to, that's where I used to, oh, that was good. Uh, that's where I used to pick dudes up. Whoa. I see. ASL, man. That's right, ASL. Man, that, that brings me back. What about you, Glenn? <laughs> I'm over here cringing. <laughs> that was a little yeah, cringeworthy. Listen, this was Not before cool. eHarmony. This, this is before it, yeah. pictures were able to be loaded on on this, internet yeah, because I, of modems. Yeah, this yeah. Is, this was this is a different time, you guys. You gotta do what you gotta do to meet the nerds. It, it was a dark time. It was BB, it BBC was. chats. <laughs> anyway, uh, so you mentioned you're a developer advocate and a principal technologist. For those of us who don't know what that is, could you please explain it to us in simple human terms? Simple human terms. Yeah, sure. Um, everyone thinks that they need a developer advocate. The role is being defined uh, as we speak. Um, I think it's a mixture of all of the things. So it's a little bit of product. It's a little bit of support, uh, marketing, um, recruiting. Uh, it's, it's all the things. So basically bridging the gap between uh, third-party developers and our developers driving platform adoption, like I said, and as well as improving our products. So if I get product feedback, negative or positive, I am reporting that feedback directly to product and engineering to help make our products more friendly for the people that are using it. So you talk to developers and you talk to people the developers don't talk to, so they don't have to, essentially. Yeah, basically, some would call me a nerd whisperer. I don't know. A nerd whisperer. That's pretty good. I yes. that. that is good. It is good. All right. So as far as um, developer advocacy goes, I mean, you're there to kind of help the developers out and you help, I guess you automate things. So how would you, how would you say you automate uh, to help a developer in their day job? No, every, every literally everything I do is manual. I'm, I'm talking to people. Oh, but... you're, you're the automation. I, I am, damn it, I'm the automation. Uh, no, so say, for instance, uh, you're a developer and there's a process that you hate. You hate it, you hate it, you don't want to do it. 
but you don't know that there's maybe some sort of tool out there that exists that will automate this process for you. Uh, it's sort of my job to uh, give you those tools that you need so that you can just write your code because that's what you want to do. Okay, and what sort of tools are you running across for developers? That's kind of like the, I guess, the stuff they want to use the most. No, I mean, what, what, what's the the latest hot hype, right? You know, Docker, Kubernetes, um, latest hashtag. Uh, everyone wants to know. Everyone wants a piece. Okay, so Docker is still the the thing to go to then, I guess. I mean, that's, that's been around a while. It's been a couple of years, yeah. right? I mean, I mean, a while. I mean, you know, what was it like 2012 that they announced it at PyCon? It's not that old. Well, in IT, yeah, that's ancient. <laughs> Slightly. Yeah, I don't know, Justin. Code is like music, man. It's 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 so personal that that, that those trends are almost not even worth keeping track of. Yeah. Well, it was more of a, you know, hey, if I'm if I'm a developer and I want to have, you know, if I want to automate something, where would I look? You know, it's kind of a starter, right? I get to figure out where to start looking first if I'm not familiar with everything. Well, I don't, I don't know, and I think that that's uh, why my job exists because it's not it's not one tool fits everyone, right? It's what are you writing? What I mean, every application is different. There's different tools for different jobs, right? So I need to talk to you figure out what your application is doing to figure out what tools suit you. How are you helping developers come to terms with the DevOps movement? Like, how are you helping them transition to being more DevOps in their roles? Let me ask you, what what does DevOps mean uh, to you? Because I, I... I feel like it means a different thing to everyone. It does mean a different thing to everyone, and that was the trap. <laughs> that was the trap. Um, I mean, it's, it's collaboration, guys. DevOps is not uh, a person. It's, uh, it's a team of people, right? So collaborate. Don't silo yourself. Right, right. And it really what I was getting at was, you know, as developers, you hear this term DevOps, and I, I would imagine as a developer, you would think, man, that just means my management wants me to do more stuff. And in, I yeah, think that that's what, it, what they're, they're trying to do. They are, but it, it's not necessarily what DevOps is supposed to be, right? Is that, it, am I being kind of accurate there, would you say? No, I think that you're being accurate. I, I think it, I was just at DevOps Days Salt Lake City. And uh, was doing booth duty. It's my favorite thing. You can't see me shaking my head now. Um, but every time somebody would come to a booth and say, hey, you know, what do you do? And I don't know, maybe eight times they would say DevOps engineer. And they would air quote because even they knew that that was terrible. Yep. But at the same time, that title probably got them a nice pay raise. So take what you can get, man. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Throw it on the resume. Because no one yeah. actually knows what it means. Nobody knows what it means. <laughs> Glenn, have you added that to your resume yet? No, I, I explicit I refuse to ever do it. I'm I'm one of those people who just look at it and go, I won't say that word out loud. <laughs> I, it's just, so I, I'm I don't incredibly uncomfortable with with the the way that I've said this before on the podcast, but to me DevOps is going the way the cloud went, and, and that's unfortunate because cloud was set back probably half a decade by, by all the marketing hijacks and hijacks. <laughs> That, that, that happened you know, early in the days that turned off the technologists. They were just like, this is marketing nonsense. I don't want anything to do with it. They didn't actually do their homework. They didn't look into it. It was just a cursory glance. They dismissed it and moved on. And then half a decade passed, and a good portion of the market was left behind because they, they weren't paying attention. 
I personally think that we're in danger of something very similar happening with DevOps. Companies that have made this this transition, they're learning the lessons. Their velocity is going up. Their bugs are going down. The team cohesion is increasing. And those that are ignoring it, they're going to get left behind in the dust. I don't disagree with that. You are not wrong. You are also not right. You are. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in the middle, right? <laughs> Some, yeah, so, somewhere. So I hear a lot of background noise there, actually. Where exactly are you right now? I am at ChefConf. Shout out to the lovely folks at Microsoft who uh, gave me a badge I was not even expecting on being here. Okay, so you're at ChefConf. So what are you doing there? Uh, I live in Austin, and ChefConf is in Austin. And I know a bunch of uh, folks that work at Chef and a bunch of folks that work at Microsoft. And I was like, let's go to breakfast. And they were like, sweet. And then they were like, you're coming to the conference. So uh, that's Sucker. what I'm doing. You got roped in. I did. I did. But it's, it's great. I like to hang out with people. I like hanging out. Well, I guess, I guess this is probably a, a good place for us to pivot on to our main topic today. Um, be, because, I mean... You're in the ChefConf is, is in many ways an epicenter of, of people who get it, who are on board, who, who have made this transition. But it's also a very small sub portion of the industry as a whole. And, and one of the things that, that we're coming to grips with, you know, particularly as a vendor in, in NetApp, is you know, we're trying to shoot, we're trying to skate to where the puck is going to be, per se, and, and, and adapt to this change as it's happening real time. But the challenge is the whole customer base isn't moving at once. You know, it's these little pockets. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're being forced to jump ahead and, and move into these new deployment paradigms and then push real hard in the container space into new technologies like Kubernetes and, and how what that means to persistent storage uh, and, and, and desired state management as a whole in the entire ecosystem. But meanwhile, the vast majority of the people who, who are air quote IT professionals are terrified and or just have this religious adhesion to code. That it's not me. I'm not a developer. That's not what I do. And and what we're learning is they that has to change. Like they need this this entire industry is going to have some something to do with code at a certain point in the near term future. So yes. how are we going to manage this? You know, is this even possible? Can we get everybody on board or is there going to be some cult somewhere along the way? You know, I not everyone is going to be on board. That's just not a thing that's going to happen. I think that everyone in your organization should be able to write a simple Hello World app. Everyone, just basic. Um, marketing's going to need to know. I mean, they're writing your they're, they're writing things for you about your technology. You can't write a simple Hello World app. Um, so I think starting there, I think knowing the terms is, is important. But you either think like a developer or you don't. And if you force yourself to do it, you're going to hate it. It's going to suck. So you're telling me that it actually is valuable to know the technology you're trying to market? How strange. I know. I know. That is so weird. It's, not, it's so weird. Uh, it's a concept that's foreign to me. I don't know anything. So um, you'll have to bear with me. Uh, <laughs> so you, you mentioned that, you know, writing a Hello World app would be a good way for somebody to just kind of get familiar with the process. You have an initiative yourself that I've, I've seen before. It's learning to code, right? So tell sure. us a little bit about this initiative that you've got going on and how people can get involved. Because as storage administrators, automating your job 
is going to be part of your role. You're going to need to know how to do this and, and take out the mundane tasks so you can move right. on to more important things like architecting. So could you give us a rundown? Of yeah, so uh, I'm trying not to make this story too long. Uh, I was pivoting my career from uh, basically photography to software development, and I decided to make that pivot because I was already sort of doing it. I was uh, writing a web apps for other photographers, and then I was doing a bunch of SEO type stuff, and I was like, this is this is where, where the world is going. Everyone's going to need to know how to write code. Where do I start? So I did some research, and I was like, oh, I don't know. There's a lot of meetup groups, but I don't feel comfortable. I think I need a classroom setting, so I joined a boot camp. Uh, I spent, I don't know, 15 grand for a 12-week course. It was the worst ever. I've been in and around this industry for 15 years, even while I was doing photography. So I already knew like the right questions to ask, like, Hey, are we contributing to open source? Because some of us are going to want jobs after this. And that's great for building your resume. And they were like, no, open source is stupid. And I was like, I'm out of here. So I started, uh, going through Zed Shaw's, uh, learn Python the hard way. And, uh, I emailed him and said, I have a couple questions about this book. He said, just come over, man. So I hung out at Zed Shah's house for a few weeks, and uh, he taught me more in four weeks than I learned in 12 at that boot camp. And it was after that that I decided that learning to code is is free. Um, there's meetups. There's open course material on, like, MIT and Stanford. And... It, like, it, there's endless amounts of free resources. Um, mentors, there's mentor programs out there. I'm trying to put together a mentor program uh, as we speak. Um, so learning is, is easier than you think, but having all of those resources in one place, you don't find that. So I created a GitHub repo that's uh, Learn to Code. And it's broken down by language, and uh, everything is free on it. Okay. Well, how would you? Where would we find that? Uh, Ashley McNamara on GitHub. Uh, I can send you a link so that you can put it somewhere. It's also in my uh, Twitter uh, profile. Okay. Excellent. So that'd be a good resource for people that are trying to get into the coding aspect of their jobs, because I mean, as a sysadmin, I, I, I'll, I'll give you my own anecdote. So. When I first started doing sysadmin work, I was an exchange administrator slash AD administrator. And in Windows, if you're not familiar with it, there's a lot of GUIs, right? right. <laughs> you right-click and you double-click, and it's all easy and happy. So one day we had to do an exchange migration, and I was like, okay, i got to do an exchange migration. Let me do this. So I went through all you know several hundred of our users individually and made changes to the accounts. So uh, I, I did that successfully. However... Doing that, you find that you you can make errors, right? Because you it's, sure. it's tedious, it's menial, and this is way back before I knew anything about scripting, right? You also learn that it takes a long time. So scripting and and learning to code things as a sysadmin can eliminate those multiple hours to days of work that you'd be doing as a manual like just double clicker, and turning that into fifteen minutes, and you don't make mistakes, and everybody's happy. Absolutely, and in fact, that's how a lot of people find themselves in software development in the first place, right? And they're like, oh, I have this simple problem that I need to I need, need to solve. Let me uh, figure out how to write this code. Then all of a sudden, they're fixing more and more and more and more. And suddenly, they're software developers. It's crazy. 
I'm always amazed by by uh, individuals who are who like understand how to do really complex V lookups, but are are completely resistant to simple if then loops. You know, like, no, I can't handle logic gates, but I can do this incredibly esoteric like Excel specific programming language. Like there's a cognitive dissonance there where they don't believe that they're capable of it, even though there's there's evident right in front of them that they're already doing it. People don't like change, right? So the first thing that you learn, you normally like attach yourself to that until you're forced to do it a different way and then you attach yourself to that. There are a hundred different ways to do whatever it is that you want to do. So that's kind of funny because, I mean, every day we go through an if-then loop. I mean, you think about it. And this, this, I don't understand why people are so resistant, but I wake up in the morning and I say, if I am hungry, I will eat this oatmeal. And if I don't, then I will not eat this oatmeal. So everything we do in our life is an if-then statement, and you should be able to apply that to your day job. You should. All right, so uh, Ashley, what else are you working on these days? Um, I noticed that you do some some gopher artwork. What's this gopher program that you do? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I started out uh, learning Python, and um, in the last two-ish years, I found myself in the Go community. Um, Go is a programming language uh, written by some great folks at Google, and uh, they have this wonderful mascot. It's a gopher, and uh, I do little gopher drawings, and that sort of exploded <laughs> into an avatar generator called Gopherize Me um, that I built with my friend Matt Ryer. Uh, it's gotten hundreds of thousands of hits. It's incredible. Um, and then I do a bunch of logos and, uh, I recently did the GopherCon branding. Uh, so I'm like a, like, a, like a Jill of all trades, one would say. That's pretty cool. So could you tell us a little bit more about Go? Like I, I've, I've not heard a whole lot about this. Glenn, are you familiar with Go at all? Oh yeah, man. Okay. Well, let's, <laughs> let's talk about Go then. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm out of the loop, obviously. What, what have you heard about Go, Glenn? It is the latest iteration in programming languages. It's, it's incredibly simple. It's very, very, very elegant. It doesn't have a lot of the legacy that, that traditional languages have. I am not needy. Yeah. I'm a PowerShell guy, and I already have a language that works for me. Uh, so I, I, I've, I have a cursory understanding of it. Um, I can tell you that our best devs have all jumped on board, and that's all I need to know. <laughs> when, when I walk up to someone like Rippy and he's knee deep in it and loving it, then then that that to me tells me everything that I need to know. Yep, nope, it's it's great. You're right. It's very simple. That and that's that's the key to it. So uh, Google, it, so Go originated as sort of an experiment by uh, Robert Griesmeyer, uh, Rob Pike, and Ken Thompson, and uh, Renee French actually did did the logo. I want to shout out to Renee. Uh, so they wanted to like resolve a bunch of like common criticisms in other languages. Uh, so Go is statically typed, it's scalable, it's super, super, super quick. It's it's almost it's almost impossible to up. It just won't compile, which is great. It's great. Um, lots of amazing packages. The community is incredible. One of the best communities I've ever been a part of. So if I'm starting out as a sysadmin and I'm trying to figure out my way um, to, to learn how to code and learn how to develop. Um, so naturally, if I'm a Windows guy, I'd probably look at PowerShell because that's going to be really intrinsic to intrinsic, eh, intrinsic, there we go, to my day job. Uh, 
So would I look at something like Go, or would I be better served to look at something else along the lines? No, you could you could definitely use Go. I mean, don't, don't get into the weeds uh, with me on, on, on Windows and, and Go because uh, I'm not a Windows user, but... No one's perfect. It works. I, <laughs> ugh, ugh. I, uh, I, I can tell you that the least interesting thing are, are the language wars and the religious debates about which language one should use. Uh, really, this is about ecosystem adoption and how much net new code you're going to have to write and how much you can copy from an existing project and learn from existing work. Uh, if you're working in the Windows space, there's a mountain of PowerShell reference out there, uh, and you can consume all of the existing DB um, script and or just just raw, you know, pinvoke uh, old old school code that's that's out there on the internet. So so it's just a very easy consumption method. The Linux world, honestly, these days is much more centered around Python, and you'd be way better served to to spend your time over there. That's where the libraries exist. That's where all the reference goes. But if you're going to create something new from scratch that you plan on like selling to somebody eventually, you'd be hard served to go wrong with Go. Yes, yeah, so, I mean I ask questions like that not because I necessarily care or want to know, but it's more of, that's the questions you get, right? I mean, those are the questions you get from new people, I would imagine, right? Actually, as a developer advocate, being on the front lines, I would imagine that's that's what you get asked. Yeah, I mean, and and to be honest, uh, a lot of times when, when brand new programmers come to me, I, I actually tell them to start with Python, and it's not because Go isn't easy. It's very easy. It's very clear to read. It's just very opinionated, and it can sometimes be confusing. So, I normally have them start out with Python. There are just a lot more introductory resources out there. Uh, I think I actually uh, might self-publish an, an intro to Go book. There are lots of those out there as well. But uh, I'm talking like super basic, like a kid could read it. Um, Will it be illustrated? Hell yeah. Yay! It'll, then I'll read it. Yes! More pictures for you. Comic book form, please. Oh my god. Oh my god. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, yeah. You can use it. Oh, uh, this I'll, is I'll recorded. Like I'm not giving you any credit. I don't even care. I'm going to say that this was my idea. You can put this clip out where I say I'm stealing your idea, and I don't care. Okay, it's mine. It's, I'll, okay, I'll take good. it. I'll allow it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Go go, go to, the, to the code repo, and it is a community-driven product. Uh, I don't want to maintain it by myself. That's boring. So if you have resources, submit a PR, and I will merge it. Excellent. All right. All right, once again, Ashley, if you could uh, tell us how to get in touch with you on social media and, uh, and I guess, your GitHub address. Both of them are at Ashley McNamara. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at netup. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, or via techontentpodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Ashley McNamara for joining us today. Thanks for listening. Man, I gotta, I gotta go learn some Go. Oh, yeah. I mean, or you could just, you know, learn.net. I just, I just do just everything in Bash right now, like Bash and SSH commands. You know, it's okay, pathetic. Yeah, no, that, it's pathetic. That is a long answer. <laughs> I wrote an entire class lab in Bash. Oh, yeah. It was terrible. Yeah, I do. But you know what? Bash is it's legacy, man.
I mean, it, it works on everything. I, I, I hey, any any language under your tool belt, buddy. That that's a huge ladder to your career. Parashell for the win. <laughs>